it's time for Striking Fury with Philly, Panda, and the Doctor. Start wearing purple, wearing purple. Start wearing purple for me now. All your sanity and wits, they will all vanish. I promise. It's just a matter of time. So, yeah. Empire Armada, lovers of indoor soccer, MASL supporters, and, well, passerbys. Welcome to the 50th episode of Striking Fury, the official podcast for Major Arena Soccer League's Empire Strikers. Let me introduce the team. My name is Christian Philemon, a.k.a. Philly, and to my... that way <laughs> is my beautiful wife, Amanda the Panda Philemon. Hello, everybody. What's going on? I'm excited to be here. I survived another birthday celebration yesterday. Barely. I'm sure <laughs> you guys are all aware of. So I'm super happy to be here today and in fairly good spirits. So maybe I didn't celebrate as hard as I thought I should have. But either way, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to see some fun faces on this podcast. But notably, first, of course, the Dr. Jonathan Reimer. How's it going? I am feeling all right with a can of Sprite tonight, ready to roll. <laughs> but enough about me. We have an illustrious guest <laughs> this evening. Folks, as you know, it is episode 50 of Striking Fury, the official podcast of your Empire Strikers. Where's the applause? Philly, Philly I was waiting for the... Oh, come on, you're killing me, Smiles. I can't multitask, you know that. I can't multitask to save my life. <laughs> <laughs> and as such, folks, we have summoned an illustrious guest, a legend within the online community of indoor soccer, someone whose tweets get a number of retweets from the biggest entities within the major arena <laughs> soccer league, a person who gets shout outs on numerous broadcasts and is beloved by every single fan base across this great league. Folks, we have none other than at Wallace on the show. Brian Colmo, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited to have you here. Welcome to Strike awesome, guys. episode 50. Awesome. Thank Yay. you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. So. Let's get into it. Let's get to know you a little better. I mean, we, you know, we know what your what your uh, social media is all about and what it covers, but let's get to know you and, and how all of this came into play. So who wants to who wants to start? Doc, you start us off, brother. Well, so I think. Before we dive into the world of indoor soccer, we, we'd like to get to know a, a little bit about you. So maybe why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, when the indoor game entered your life, did you play as a child? Give us a little background on the man behind the Wallace Scora. Yeah, so um, I've been born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri here. Um, played soccer all, all my life since five. Um, indoor was part of my life growing up. Um, it was, it was the, um, the winter sport to play. Um, there, there wasn't a foot, futsal wasn't around then, but yeah, so we, indoor soccer was the thing to do and that's, um, what we love to do. But, um, as far as the, the, the wall score and how that came about, um, we're entering like, I'd say 1999 around there is when I finally kind of came up with a, a name and started like calling, calling the move and everything. It's always, you always see the wall pass 
and everything. And you'd, you'd practice that when you're little. And you'd be told, hey, bounce off the wall, shoot the ball in and everything. But, yeah, 1999 is when I kind of came up with the official term and everything. But then I called it myself. It was the Como Wall Score. So that's <laughs> that was the full name and everything. It's it's a lovely, you, glossed, lovely term. <laughs> I love it. Yes. You you've glossed over your own playing career, but but you had some accolades oh. in your day. Uh not only you were an all state alongside a soccer legend. Tell us about the Wallace Scora Taylor Twelman connection. I'm fascinated yes. by this. Yeah, so um so pretty much yeah, my high school year uh, 1996. Um, I actually, I, I hardly play. I got to play varsity my junior year, and uh, and then in '96, my senior year, I finally got to see the field and uh, and pretty much played the whole game. And our team actually made it all the way to the third place game in state that year. And uh, we we actually played Taylor Twelman and St. Louis U High. Uh, we tied them one to one, and uh, and at the end of the year when they they voted on the top 11 players in the state of Missouri that year. Myself and um, Taylor Twoman and uh, nine other guys were selected as the top 11 uh, best soccer players in St. Louis that year, in Missouri that year. So, so yeah, that's 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 pretty cool and everything. That's super cool. Well, I have to say yeah. the uh, your connection to Taylor Twelman um, doesn't end just there with soccer. The name Taylor. Um, tell us a little bit about your your family. Your, are you married? Do you have kids? And 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 what are their names? Yes, uh, married to my wife Lisa. Um, I believe yeah, twenty two years now. Um, then I have a eighteen year old daughter just turned eighteen Sunday. Um, Taylor uh, Como, and then a twelve year old uh, daughter Elena. And everything and uh actually this past weekend we were in kansas city and um my oldest taylor or whatever is their final club game uh with her team you know so that and i was an assistant coach so i've been coaching her since she was about four and she's been with this team since day one um when they went u8 um about 10 11 years ago and uh it was it was definitely an emotional weekend that i wasn't expecting to be choked up at the end on the when the final whistle blew, realizing, hey, this is the last time you're gonna, you know, be coaching your your daughter and coaching all these all these other girls you know, that are leaving to be, you know, graduate and be seniors and go on to college and everything. So, but my daughter will, uh, she she did sign to play at McKendry University Division Two soccer school or school, so Congrats. she's gonna go play in the fall there. So I'll, I'll still be able to watch her play and everything. And my twelve year old doesn't want. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, no, you're fine. Keep going. I'll, I'll ask it after say, that. I was going to say, my 12-year-old doesn't want me to have anything to do with coaching her. She just wants me to watch. <laughs> That's so funny. My uh, my dad was my fast-pitch softball coach, and I hated it. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was so hard on me. And when practice ended, you know, the uh, the lessons didn't stop. I had to go home and still listen. I was just like, Dad, oh, like I hate yeah. this. But looking back, I mean, we created some amazing experiences together and I'm sure, you know, like those will be things you talk about later in life. So that's really exciting. And I'm sure it's fun watching them play. And uh, hey, if they have yeah. any aspirations for women's professional soccer, you know, the NWSL is definitely growing. So uh, yeah. I think um, what St. Louis would need to need the team. I think they just got a men's outdoor team. I think we should bring a women's team out there. Yeah, I'm, sh I'm sure it'll be. I'm sure it's uh, already being thought about so absolutely uh, you know, I'll be excited to see that happen that'd be cool all right well why don't we transition from outdoor to indoor 
Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, you mentioned you're from St. Louis, Missouri. I, I think it's not too hard to assume who you are a supporter of. But you know, talk to us about the team that you focus on and, and your love for them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, obviously, I'm here in St. Charles, Missouri. Uh, so I, I do see the ambush and everything. So I, I do watch them um, more than probably, probably all the other teams and everything. But, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, like I said, I, I, you know, the, as far as the, the announcing side of things, it's, it's cool to see all the different, you know, announcers and the different personalities and, and how, uh, they, they see the game and how they, uh, entertain and, uh, and just, you know, describe the game t- to the crowds, to the people watching on Twitch. But, um, as, as far as the players and everything, um, you know, I think they got a, a good, good nucleus of players. Um, some, some players that are, you know, starting to see, um, the Will SK. Uh, is really shining, you know, is starting to, I think, probably be a more popular player. Um, he, he's starting, he's lighting it up. Um, as far as, you know, obviously, Paulo and goal, he's, he's, he's pretty solid keeper there and everything. So, um, they're, they're competing. You know, I, I think, you know, they're, they, they're in it each game, you know, they have an opportunity, you know, sometimes, you know, the other team just might be, you know, a little bit, a little bit better, but in, in soccer, it's, you know, what, Anybody can beat you on any given day, you know, just bring your best and everything. So, so I can assume as a, a fan of the ambush, your history with them probably dates back away. So do you have some favorite memories watching shrubs games out there? Is there a team that you think was your favorite team or a moment throughout the course of their history that really stands out for you? Uh, well, I mean, as far as, you know, growing up, you know, I was, you know, like, 10, 11, 12, the Steamers were the popular, popular team then. Um, you know, like I was kind of telling you earlier that we got to, you know, go on the field and play before the game and then it'd be a packed house of, you know, just thousands of thousands of fans. You couldn't find an empty seat hardly and everything. And then, um, you know, then it transitioned to more of the storm and then the ambush where, you know, Daryl Duran, Mark Mosier, you know, were like the the face of the of the team and everything going through the, that time and era and such. So, and then we did win the, um, the, the championship, you know, in the nineties, I forget what year exactly, but, um, that was bright. And that was, that was a pretty cool moment, you know, for the ambush, um, and that, but, um, you know, right now I just, I just kind of, when wall score kind of pulled me back into the, into the indoor game, you know, I think after kind of like, uh, in the, in the, in the, maybe in the early nineties, you know, you kind of like floated away. And then once I kind of, my college career kind of ended, we went indoor and I started, you know, coming up with the Coma Wall score. It kind of had my interest kicked back in where I started looking up online, like what, what's going on in, currently in indoor soccer. So that's kind of what got me drawn back in. Very cool. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about Wallace scores. I mean, they're some of my favorite goals. They're so creative, and it's something that you don't really see in other sports, especially like outdoor soccer or, or anything like that, being able to use the the boards and everything. It's it's a really fun. So tell us, what is it about a Wallace score that really uh, kind of stands out? What makes a great Wallace score or one that you want to highlight um, on your uh, social media page? Well, obviously the, 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 the best one is, is honestly the individual one. If, if that's hard to come by, um, if you can, you know, I know 
I think Christian Gutierrez a couple, maybe a couple games ago for the soccer's did one. Will SK the other day did one, but when you can do it all by yourself, knock it off the inboard around the, around the defender and finish. Uh, that's the ultimate one. Um, but you know, for my, for my Justin Stinson had two in the same game for the Empire Strikers just this last <laughs> week. Let's just throw that out there real quick. Sorry, okay. and, and coincidentally, he too is from St. Charles, Missouri. Yeah. What's in the water there? Huh? Yes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I must have missed that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, um, but no, um, you know, the, the, to me, the wall scored kind of more came out because there wasn't anything like highlighting. Like when you, when you look in, you know, different sports, there's like a certain play, you know, whether it's basketball, it's an alley-oop, you know, baseball, you know, home run, whatever, double play, no hitter. I mean, there's just kind of names for things where I kind of was sitting there and like, what is that, what is that play that maybe you could say, Hey, I went and saw a wall score today. And you know, even though know, your team lost, it's like that, that play stands out in your mind. Like, wow, that wall pass, you know, off the board or that shot that um, somebody took and it, came off the boards and somebody finished it you know there's all all different you know all different ways but i didn't know a lot of people kind of wonder like what makes what do i categorize as a wall score it's pretty much anytime the ball comes off the wall and you one time it you know so whether it's an intentional pass it's a missed shot as long as the player is striking it one time you know for the finish that's why started just to classify everything as, as a wall of score in that way. Mm-hmm. Would a wall of score still be it if the ball bounces, hits, let's just say you have a pass from the opposite end of the turf, and it takes a bounce off of the board, then somebody one-times it in. Would that still technically be a wall of score? Is it, so how would you describe it again? If I sh- Can you say that again? I think I missed Yeah, it. no problem. So let's say the ball gets struck from on the opposite end of the turf. Mm-hmm. It takes a bounce hits the plexi, then comes back, and somebody one-times it that way. Would you allow that as a wall score? Does it have to be directly into the boards one-times that way? Would you be lenient on no, the No, no, that's, that's still a wall score. It's kind of, I think what you're describing is Mo Indiai in the last game chipped Correct. the ball to the corner, and then it went over Tayu's head. And yes, exactly. Tabate scored Thunderstruck, I think it's what it is. You know, even I said wall of score, and you said it wasn't a wall of score. So I was right. No, that, that, is, that, no it, that is a wall of score and everything. All right. I, I so. thought so. Frank got credit for the assist on that, but like you said, it went over his head. He Mo should yeah. have been the one that got the assist on there. But we had you know, yeah. somewhat of a, uh, not a controversy, a bit of a dialogue as to whether or not that was it. And I appreciate you. Uh, obviously qualifying that one. So now I know going forward, I question for me is it's got to put a huge smile on your face. Knowing that you've created this, you're the, the mastermind behind the wall of score. Like, do you, you have like a, like a smirk, like what's it feel like when you hear that term wall of score being announced on broadcasts? Cause it's happening all across the league. Yeah, no, I, I, I get excited because I'll, I'll, I'll be in the living room and I'll play it. And my, my wife will hear them say wall of score and she'll just kind of look at me kind of, shake her head and just kind of kind of smile and laugh about it like i can't i can't believe probably you know this is happening and everything and my kids will get a kick out of it like oh that you know dad made up that word and everything and, and they can hear it so um it's that's pretty cool but you know that it kind of all started in like the actual word probably getting out in like 2014 i just randomly emailed craig elson you know with the soccers because i was curious like i was coming across soccer's videos at the time 
you know, in the PASO. And, and I didn't know it was him doing the announcing. And I was just trying to get the word out, like, hey, this is what I'm calling this and everything. And he, he I sent an email. He replied back. And I showed him kind of what I was doing. And he was kind of the first one to, to put that, you know, word out there for me to kind of get the ball, get the ball rolling. And then, um, you know, Nick Bass was Eric Berglund in Kansas City really, you know, jumped on board along with you guys, you know, which, you know, greatly appreciate and everything. So, uh, you know, then I know, was it, uh, you know, was it Tom Wynn and Art Kramer up in Milwaukee's, you know, been saying it lately. And then Ray Biggs up in Utica, you know, mm -hmm. he's been saying it. So, and then obviously Joey and Matthew in, uh, in St. Louis have said it too. So it's, it's cool that, you know, that many teams are, you know, you know, are, are saying it. And I know Tacoma, I forget, was it Andrew Harvey up there? Mm -hmm. I know he's, he's starting to, he, he knows what it is and everything. So, um, you know, yeah, I just, I'm just excited to kind of see something, you know, get out there and, you know, spreading as well as it has. It's, it's pretty cool and everything. Bur Brian, I'm no attorney. I don't offer legal advice, but I mean, with the popularity of this term, you might as well get that sucker trademarked before somebody else does. I don't, I don't think you can. Because I think it's an actual, uh, it's an actual play in the game. It's, I think it's kind of falling under. You can't trademark home run. You know, I don't, you don't think you can trademark something that's an actual play in the game, though. You know, so that's kind of, kind of what I'm, I'm, I'm not totally sure, but that's that's kind of what I've, I've kind of gone down that road. So, and I've looked into it and everything. So it's that the whole trademarking thing is wild because I didn't realize there was yeah. like forty different categories mm -hmm. and you have to trademark each one individually that's that's crazy and everything but um but i kind of i've talked to someone about it but you know i don't i don't think it's something that i can actually do and everything so but you can't else come up with merch you can come uh, up with merch i'm not saying that's not happening i've been on the backside. uh you know my sister has been helping me out for like the past month trying to come up with uh we've been trying to incorporate different colors for the teams and changing the logo color on the wall score so it kind of favors to the you know the team colors and everything so um I've, that's some of the things we've been doing but yeah definitely that's that's something i'm trying to do all this is new i'm this this isn't this isn't something i've you know you know been involved with you know as far as merch <laughs> merchandise so so uh it's it's definitely had some headaches and uh had some uh, good learning experiences. So well, I think you have your first three customers right here <laughs> yes. when the Wallace Score merch comes out. I have a hypothetical for you. So right. if Wallace Score were to become an Olympic event, <laughs> what scale would you rate a Wallace Score on from one to ten? What attributes does a Wallace score need to have to get a 10 from Brian? And where do you deduct points on the way? You know, if they don't stick the landing or whatever, where are you <laughs> knocking points on a Wallace score? Uh, well, you know, I mean, as far as the intent, it's definitely up there. You have to have the intent. There's sometimes it's there's no intent on it, you know, so that's definitely a lower lower grade on the Wallace score. But uh, as, as long as you see a player that intentionally, you know, I think um, – I think one of the ones you did a couple of weeks ago where it was actually a good possession uh, uh, goal where they worked out of the back up to Tayu, Tayu directly played it off the wall. I think it might've been India, Mo India. I can't remember who, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Cause you said Tayu wall Mo or something like that. And it went in and that's in, the, the intent is, is, is key. And as far as, 
you know, a high, high score and everything. Now, uh, now as far as knocking off points, you know, like the ones that aren't really, you know, people are kind of like, Oh, I can't believe that's called a wall score. Like um, I'll pick on Ian Bennett here. I, I remember one where I think Andrew Hayne, Andrew Hayne played it across to him and, and uh, Ian Bennett one timed it to the goal and missed and he hit the wall and came right back to him and then he finished it, you know? And so you kind of lost an assist on your teammate, but now you, you got, <laughs> you got a wall <laughs> score out of it. So, you know, so that, that would definitely be on the, on the low end and um, of, of, of the wall score scale, I guess you could say. Bonus points for using the opposite foot or bonus points for not having the keeper touch it. Do you prefer top ends? Um, are, are you a destroy grandma's cookies kind of guy? Do you like going to the floor? Do you like the nutmeg? Yeah. Could the no, nutmeg no. be like bonus points? I'm just trying to think. Like, No, no, you're, you know, no, that's a good thing. idea. The valleys are pretty cool. Like the head balls, like the, you know, off the wall valleys. Um, you know, those definitely would get you know bonus points. Um, yeah, obviously going straight in the net, nothing touching it, you know, just hitting the back of the net, you know, definitely, you know, would get bonus points too. But the volleys are pretty cool. You know, I've seen several, I think there's at least been six, seven headball wall scorers that are pretty been pretty impressive, you know, to see. Um, but and then I saw a strange one the other day where it was Jamil Cox in Tacoma. Where it was the end of the game, and he beat he beat the six attacker to the I think it was the six attacker, maybe it was the the goalie, but he beat this him to the ball, ball, right? Yeah, yeah, he beat him to the ball in the end, and he just rattled it all around the wall. So it literally hit the wall like three times, and then he met it at the middle of the goal, and then tapped it in. It that's never that's never happened. I've never seen it when it's been like walla walla, and then walla scora, you know. <laughs> so, so that <laughs> walla, that was kind of. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was kind of that was that was interesting to see and everything. So that 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 well, probably get bonus points for sure. Yeah, so that that get bonus points for just being a new one. Haven't seen that one. So I like that points for creativity. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Well, you kind of alluded to it already that you're working on merch, um, which that's very exciting. So we are fully behind that being a, a future move for you. Is there anything else um, like that you would love to see Wallace score become any plans to expand your presence out there? I know you're primarily on Twitter. Um, I know. Um, is that your account on Instagram under Wallace score? I think I know it doesn't get utilized, but I didn't know if that was a chance that you were going to start expanding um, your social media platforms or anything like that. Um, yeah, when does the Walla Walla uh, TikTok come out? That's what the kids want to know. I, I do have I do have TikTok actually. I do have Wallace score on TikTok, and I have it on YouTube, and then I have it on um, Facebook. Um, I don't know if, if it's on Instagram. I must have might have started something and didn't follow through on it. I have to I have to look on that. <laughs> I, it, it's, it's possible. I probably could have done that. I'm like, you know, I'm going to start this, but then, you know, sometimes I'm like, I get in over my head, like the TikTok ones, I've kind of just limited to what I think are the best. You know, I, it's kind of like, sure. it takes a lot of your time when you just start copy and paste and posting videos and all these different social mm-hmm. media sites and everything. So but Facebook's where it, it, it kind of started. And then I, and I, and I went or Facebook and Twitter probably at the same time as when where it started because I was like I knew people weren't really into Twitter as much as they were Facebook, but I I saw how the league was really hitting Twitter from the get go, and and that's kind of where I I started everything mainly from there and, and that's where my first 
spiders, but I am on TikTok too. And everything. So I <laughs> need to get on that. <laughs> no, right? So I, yeah. A, a couple questions for you. Do you have a favorite Wallace from this season? And do you have a favorite all time? Wallace Gora, who had the greatest Wallace Gora um, of all time? Honestly, the, the the greatest one probably was maybe the year twenty. I, I'm trying to remember. It might have been 2014 with Monterey of uh, uh, Flash won the um, won the championship. Um, I think then it wasn't the MASL though, but they played the Baltimore Blast, and that game went to overtime, and it ended on a Wallace Gora. And I, you guys just obviously went down you know, to Mexico and saw those two clubs play and just the, the atmosphere it brings and it only in just imagine a championship game. I don't even think I could see empty seats. And when that, when I forget who it was, but when he finished that wall score, just net just went straight to the back of the net and then just crowd just went wild. The lights went off the, all the lights at the field and then we are the champions. All that stuff just started going. That was, that was the most exciting one. I, that I can remember. Um, as far as this year, um, there, there's, there's, there's been a lot. I, I don't know. I mean, I probably have to be to make it easier. It'd probably be just be the ones where, you know, you know, there's, there's been several of them. I don't know. I, I have to say the Will SK by himself and then Christian Gutierrez by himself, you know, those, those are the hardest to do. And, uh, yeah. you know, so, so that, you know, I'd, I'd like to see the one I'd really like to see I haven't seen yet is is a player intentionally shoot from at the top of the the, the arc or inside the, the the yellow line, intentionally shoot the miss. Because when you do that, half the time, everyone else turns around, just looks at where's the ball going. And if you shoot and miss and knowing it, you already got two or three steps and you you go straight to the goal. And by then the ball's coming off the wall right back to you and you're, and you're finishing it because the goalie's standing there, he turns and he knows it's hitting the wall, but everyone else is turning, looking and you're just sprinting. Right. And that's, that's, that's one I haven't seen that I would, I would like to see, but, but uh, yeah, the ones, the ones when it's just involving yourself, those I think are the most difficult to do and everything. Sure. There yeah, was well, one in they're... 2016 in Toyota Arena that actually made Sports Center's top 10 that night, where a player fired a Wallace Gora to themselves and overhead bicycled it in for the goal on the back end of it. Uh, and I think it was like in the top five in the Sports Center top 10 that day, where a player hit the Wallace Gora to himself and then bicycled it in. I know Bill Norris, our statistician, tells us this story all the time is his favorite goal of all time. Oh, okay. The Wallace Gora to the overhead bicycle. We'll have to go and find the video and uh, send it to you on Twitter. Okay. Uh, and I'm sorry, I rudely interrupted you. You were saying? Uh, I don't even remember, to be honest. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Jeez. Oh, it probably wasn't important. Who knows? But, uh, you know, I... I Wallace scores they're just so much fun and I like how uh significance of the goal should also definitely be considered in how it is like you know if they do a Wallace score and they're winning 10 to 3 okay that's great that's a fun goal but a Wallace score yeah. to win like a tied up game in the final minutes I mean just the intensity around that and the wherewithal to be able to make that move at all is uh is pretty exciting oh and what I was going to say is I'm sure plenty of players listen to our podcast so maybe they'll take that um what you just said about the Wallace score <laughs> and you might see them implement that that would be pretty cool yeah from your lips to their ears to who knows threading the netting that could be something yeah. that we'll see in the next couple of weeks i've sure done it so i know it works so 
There you go. <laughs> that, was, that was over. 20, that was over. That was years ago, but it's it's been done. I I, I remember that day, and it was it was, it was pretty impressive. So I know it can be done. So, so what if cool. the league decided instead of shootouts at the end of the game, it's Wallace scorers to end the game? You got goalkeeper. <laughs> You have the guy who's going to pass the ball and then the striker that's going to receive the ball and they have to go in and your one touch, they got to put it off the wall and then the strikers got to put it in. Would you appreciate the change to the Wallace score a shootout or keep it as is? Uh, no, I, 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 I keep it as honestly, the players have five seconds to score on the shootout. So they technically could use the wall in some sort of fashion, you know, to beat the goalie if they wanted to, you know, so um, but I, I, I keep it, I keep it the way it is. Maybe if it was an all-star game and they had like, you know, the, the slam dunk contest would be the wall yeah, score contest. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be like two, two players teaming up. How can they come up with the, the most creative wall scorers or whatever? You know, that would probably be, be pretty cool. And that would but, be fun. I would be all for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I love seeing those kinds of things because I certainly can't do them myself. So watching people do it at like top <laughs> levels is very exciting. Yeah. So yeah, you only learned that really if you could talk recently. <laughs> I haven't even, I don't even know how to kick one. Don't even, <laughs> not at all. I'm a volleyball player. I do not play soccer. Unfortunately, you sure know a lot about it though. So that's right. So it's all good. So commissioners, there you go. Next year's all-star game. Brian's already got the point deductions worked out. He knows how everything's going to work. It's Olympic ready. Let's go ahead and unveil it. Next year's all-star game. What do you say? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm all for it. <laughs> do you guys have well, any I'll other questions? I was going to say, Brian, do you have anything you'd like to say to the fans um, uh, before we uh, go ahead and close up the interview? You've been very generous with your time. We know it's very late in your time zone. Thank you for staying up with us. But uh, anything you'd like to uh, sign off to the fans with? No, I mean, as far as the fans, everyone that I see on Twitch when, you know, a wall score happens, I see, you know, the, you know everyone post a wall score. That That's pretty cool. I'm on there. I haven't chimed in yet. So I've kind of held back on. I'm chiming in. It might <laughs> might might bring that out next next year where I watching. maybe maybe watching. uh speak, you know, on Twitch or whatever. But uh but uh yeah, to everyone that sees it, you know, you know, comments on it, you know, thank you, appreciate it. You know, I'm just, you know, like I said, trying to help grow the game like like you guys are doing. So uh and to the, all the announcers, you know, that are out there, you know, appreciate it too. It's it's I think it's only gonna help grow the excitement of the game and and the love of the game for everyone else. So, and, you know, I'm only hoping that there's kids that are doing their winter indoor leagues that are, you know, talking, Hey, let's, let's do wall scores or, or whatever. So, uh, so that's kind of where then I'll hopefully keep everything, you know, for it to go on for years and years to come and everything. So, but no, thank you to everyone, even the players. I know the players, you know, you know, have helped me out a lot too, you know, over the years. So um, I appreciate them retweeting you know, and liking and, and everything and all that and all that they do to support it too. So thank you everyone. Well, thank you to you folks. Mm -hmm. None other than the legend, Brian <laughs> Wallace Como himself here on episode 50 of striking fury. Please give him a follow. It's going to be a hard one. He's at Wallace Scora. Um, so I know that's going to be hard for all of you, but if you are not following Wallace Scora, it is my absolute favorite MASL account, bar none. 100%. Thank you so 100%. much for everything you do for this league. Uh, it is a joy every time I got my Twitter notifications on and when I see Wallace Scora, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what I'm doing, I'm going over there to check it out. So thank you, sir. I appreciate you. Yes, I appreciate you, so you guys. Much. Hey, thank you. All right. Have a great night. All right, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh -huh. All right, bye. bye.
That's so cool. What a legend. Yeah. What we were going to come. We were going to come with the magic on episode 50. It was, it wasn't just going to be a, a striking fury game recap. We wanted to give you some of the legendary figures of the world of the major arena soccer league. And Brian certainly is one of those. He's got a great deal of experience, knowledge, and obviously he's created the hottest term that, you know, I can think of in the major arena soccer league. So that was pretty darn cool. Make sure you follow at Wallace Scora on all your social media sites. And we should probably Download TikTok ourselves and follow him there. I, I don't have a TikTok account. And if I do, yeah, I felt like, so bad. I, I said, uh, yo, you should get a TikTok. And he's like, oh, I already have one because I don't have a TikTok. So I would have no clue if there's a, a wall score or not. <laughs> I Did know. you say TikTok? I called it a TikTok. You were insulting the fact that you know, maybe you didn't have like, yeah, I'm just kidding. I don't <laughs> be ticking and talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, guess what, guys? We still have a game to recap. Yes. Let's get into it. That was fun Ooh, though. I, got, I enjoyed that. I got I got an unboxing to do real quick first. Or not even an unboxing. It's already out of the box, but I got something to show off real quick. Hold up. No. Oh. He's not wearing a Spider Man Superman costume again, is he? <laughs> <laughs> no, it is even better. It is even better. Look <gasps> at this gloriousness. Oh my that stands gosh. Before you right here. Uh, if you are listening in the car right now, bookmark this at 3228. You're going to want to go to the YouTube and see what Jonathan is holding up. Uh, explain to everybody what we're looking at right now. Yes. This oh. is none Imagine. other than a game-worn and used, auctioned off for charity, autographed Eric Bergrid scarf. Official. Scarf? official. Yeah, scarf? I didn't realize that was a scarf. They got thin these days. Tie, tie. Yeah. Eric Let's Berger. do that signature Necktie. one more time. Necktie. Necktie. Signed by Eric. He generously auctioned off for a charitable function on his broadcast. And somebody jokingly chimed into the Twitter chat and was like, I'll give 25 bucks for Bergrid's tie. And then he said, well, you got to get the price up a little higher than that. And I said I would offer, I don't think it was 50 bucks or something like that if he autographed it. And he, he graciously agreed. And I made a $50 donation to the charity. And he sent me an autographed Eric Berggrid tie. Evie, if you are listening to this, you are, you are such, a, such a gentleman. We appreciate you. And we have a little gift from me in Striking Fear that's going to be heading to you very soon to compensate you for this lovely gift that you've sent my way. So stay tuned for more on that. But I uh, wanted to give a little shout out to Berggrid himself. Does he? Ha- Are there any stains on the tie? Like, did Eric, was Eric eating a hot dog? Did any mustard land on? Is it a clean tie? Anything like that? You know, I was what? expecting a corn dog stain. I felt like that would have been appropriate, <laughs> but uh, no, it is pristine. Pristine. That's Looks like it came fresh from the dry cleaner straight to the game. Might even have been brand new at the time, but it is one of uh, my prized possessions <laughs> now. So thank you, Mr. Not, not everybody is like you, Philly, and likes to wear their food. Well, that's, you know, you think that, you know, I'm, I'm wearing bow ties to set trends. Half of the reason why I'm wearing bow ties is because, like, I know I'm not going to get them stained by spilling something on it. That's a really big reason as to why I, I'd like to dub myself the bow tie broadcaster. So that's why I was curious. I was mustard stains, sweat stains, even like a soda stain. But if Eric Bergman's that pristine, respect. If you were getting my long tie, it would have all kinds of different weird, like, sandwich things on it. Yeah, don't oh, ever bet on anything he's wearing during a game because it'll be covered in. Well, I'm not gonna say. <laughs> Anyways, uh, food. It, food it, is what Panda was food. gonna say. It's going to be covered in food. Uh, we yeah, do have Jesus, another unboxing. I, I was gonna talk about drinks, but anyways, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. What else do you have over there in your uh, little studio? 
Uh, well, lots of things, but uh, there will be another unboxing on next week's episode. So stay tuned. A certain oh. Rapunzelian adornment is coming too. Oh, the so we're not saying studios. what it is. We're not going to say what it is, are we? No, no. This is just a tease. See, this okay. is where you just sprinkle that fairy dust like Philly just did out there for yes. the masses. Well, and now they're going to have to tune in again. next week. <laughs> see? See? Uh, I, I, I see it. what you did there. See what you did there. So I, I dig uh, it. I dig it. All right. The we're we're 35 minutes in already uh, to this podcast, um, which is fine because it's technically two podcasts in one. But, you know, we're going to it's a jam packed episode for 50 because we got to go big. Um, do we want what did you have something you wanted to say, Philly? I'm just, I'm just happy that we're at 50. For those of you who don't know, the average podcast's lifespan is 11 episodes. We've more than double, tripled, quintupled, well, not quintupled, but we've done quite well with that. So here we are, three seasons in. Obviously, Panda and I started it off, and then we brought in Jonathan because it only made sense. We're all part of the broadcast team, and Jonathan adds some great knowledge and insight into it. And you know, I, I just want to say congratulations Albert? to all of us, man. I mean, we've, we've kept at it. We obviously have our own pods, but this is dope. It's not, all of us run another podcast as well, too, in the outdoor world. Uh, so this is double dipping for us in the podcast world. And doing two podcast episodes a week is a, a lot of work. That's a lot of, you know, prep day. work. Jeez. It is. It is. Um, and so, hats off to Philly for doing all the editing so that I don't have to. I appreciate you for that, brother. Yeah, I, I can't wait till uh, I can we can hire an intern to do this. Just all we have to do is just drink and know things. That's 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 the goal of mine is just to drink and know things. All right, folks, if you would like to intern at Striking Fury podcast, <laughs> what a brilliant opportunity right now to come and join the team and be our editor. Um, we would we would love that. Um, why don't we do a flyover? Um, Panda, take, take us <gasps> to the jet. Yeah, do absolutely the Uh, Empire Jets. All right, let's talk about the Jets and what happened. So they had a kind of a home and away stand with uh, Turlock Express. They went down to Turlock in their little rec center or whatever it is that they play in airplane hangar. Airplane hangar. I don't know. Meat locker. (laughs) We got to watch them, and you know what? It was a much much better game. They uh, it was very close. It went into overtime, and unfortunately, Turlock ended up winning. I think it was seven to six was the final score. But, you know, they looked good. Um, came up short, though. Um, did you have any thoughts on that game? I know we both watched it together. Um, you could see the nice little uh, Recreation League uh, pickup game happening in the background, which was kind of interesting. <laughs> Certainly an interesting turf. I've heard a lot of things about it. We have yet to go up there. Turlock Express used to be part of N1 several years ago, then pandemic hit. And since then, they've been playing down in the M2s. And our Empire Jets went there. The last time they faced off against them, they absolutely pounded Turlock. So the Jets did go a little underhanded, though, because (laughs) Choi Molina, coach, assistant coach Choi Molina, operated as the backup keeper. And then one of the head coaches, Keeks Tovar, a legend in this game, was playing. He didn't even have a jersey, did he? He he didn't even have a jersey. He had a number. He had some, like... Black top uh, with, I think, the number nine on it, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, I don't know what it was, but it was hilarious to see him out there playing. <laughs> I think he realized he was retired after that game. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Jimmy was telling us he had a conversation with Keeks, and Keeks was just like, if I didn't think I was done before, I, I certainly think I'm done right now. Now, we have seen Keeks score some pretty amazing goals during shoot-arounds and during practices, and no one I've ever met understands the tactics of the game as quickly and can 
explain them as eloquently as Keeks. Like he is just a savant at understanding how every little nuance of the indoor game works. It's it's really fun talking to him, but he's got the moves. I mean, he can still sure. put it in, but uh, he's he's not 20 anymore. And I, I think we <laughs> discovered that in this last game. And uh, all the skill in the world only works so well. Oh, we love Keeks. We love Keeks. Um, but, Absolutely. Uh, we do. We love Keeks, and it was fun to see him out there. Thankfully for himself, he did not have to suit up for the next game, which we all had the great pleasure of catching live and in person at Toyota Arena. It was like the pregame to our big game. And, man, I wish we could do this all the time because I don't know about you guys, but it is so much fun to sit and watch, you know, like good quality indoor soccer and not have to act actually like work it um so we did we all got to sit down and watch it and they absolutely well i would say absolutely decimated them i think it was like five to three i don't know there was no working scoreboard for that game unfortunately but it was a lot of fun they pulled off the win and yeah i mean what what were your guys thoughts i know you guys got to sit down and watch it and i know you guys don't get that opportunity very often Speed. I mean, the speed of some of those players that we have on the Empire Strikers team, and especially how they were able to maintain that fitness into the third and fourth quarter. The game was fairly close at halftime. What really decided the second half is is we just ran Turlock off. Uh, and, you know, so many of those players that we have down there from Kamal Malkin, you name it. I mean, there are some absolute speedsters fast, down fast, there. fast, fast super fast right and so that was that was really fun to watch intimate arena you know there's only the family and staff that are there watching so i mean you really get to hear the coaching and hear what the players are saying (laughs) to one another that philly and i never get to hear from from the rooftop where we call games turlock's goalie talk about that He was loud. He was very vocal. He was loud. loud. I mean, I could hear everything he was saying, and it was just like, it's almost like he was player coach at the time or something. He was literally telling everybody where to go, what to do, and it was interesting. I mean, again, it's something we don't get to witness or see very often or experience, but so that was fine. So, I mean, basically, uh, long story short, they uh, split the little mini-series with Turlock. Um, uh, 5-2 was the final score of that game. Sorry, not 5-3. And then they did get a point from the overtime loss in Turlock, so... That was the flyover with the Jets. A lot more promising than uh, some of the other uh, scores that we've had to uh, to call. So good for them. Yeah, shout out to Kamal Malcolm, who had the final two goals of the game for the Empire Jets. Uh, Q Froze also getting on the boards. Q Froze compiling on those goal numbers. I believe he still is the leading scorer on the team. He had a brace. And, of course, one of the – and then Brian Quintanilla gets credit for it as well. Also, shout out to Brian Orozco, who is their keeper, who is out in Guatemala with the futsal national team doing his thing, which is really exciting for him. But we did get to see um, we got to see two different keepers in this little um, kind of mini series, which was kind of nice. Yeah, we got to see Alex Saunders get in. He uh, it was uh, it was awesome to see him get the start up in, in Turlock. Uh, we wished him well. It was a, he's a great young man he works really hard in school and everything that he does always comes in with a good attitude good head on his shoulders and i was really happy to see him in there obviously he didn't get the w but he certainly helped the team stay in the game and just wanted to give a shout out to him and then aaron Servin got the start the second time around and yeah as a result the, the jets are there and they won and that's a good thing we got to see it and didn't have to worry about working it that was fun congratulations boys now let's get into the game between the flash and the strikers speaking of flash superhero night superhero night indeed <laughs> doctor you win the contest as far as your costume is concerned don't you tell um, everybody that didn't watch the game what you wore 
So first of all, folks, let's just let's just tell you a little backstory here because I feel like this warrants a little bit of backstory. Philly and Panda being normal sized human beings, when they go to buy themselves a costume, have lots of options out there of things that they can wear. I am not a normal sized person. I, I'm an incredibly tall person. And it, it's very hard to find costumes that are not ludicrously expensive that fit in my size. And so in all of my searching, in the time frame and, and meager budget in which I, I was employing, I found one costume that looked really great in the advertisement, right? Um, <laughs> it looked really great in the advertisement. And in the advertisement, apparently they had some accessories that I did not order the additional accessories, not realizing that was featured in the photo. Um, so what I ended up getting... The only costume available in my size was a Superman costume that turned out to be a unitard with a cape. <laughs> and yeah. let's just say we very quickly into the day realized that I needed an adjustment to that costume. Um, so I threw some dress pants on over it and it was far more palatable for all of us to uh to be able to take in a day but there is a photo that exists that's out there put out by striking fury of me in a unitard which i believe might be the first time i've ever worn a unitard or at least the first time i've worn it since i was a toddler so uh you can just go ahead and, and the enjoy last that time? online and the and last the... time it is not a very becoming look for the doctor in fact it is quite embarrassing it did not come out good uh but Man, doc, it was fine you know. you're lucky it wasn't cold in the arena though it Actually, it probably cold in the arena, but uh, might have been better if it was colder. Oh, good stuff, good stuff. Anyways, it, it was fun. We all got the chance, like he said, to dress I like up. I got rumors. to be Bat Girl. I was Bat Philly, <laughs> Bat Philly, Bat Girl, and I think everybody really enjoyed the fun, you know, costumes that we had. You know, embracing superhero night and those amazing jerseys that the guys came out wearing. So that was fun, and you know what? They were in superhero form. Yeah, I would say. So let's get into it. Yep, I'd say so. So coming into this game, the Monterey Flash and the Empire Strikers. We mentioned it during the pregame show before <laughs> the broadcast began. The last time these two teams locked in battle was down in Arena Monterey, one of the more epic battles that we have seen this season in the Major Arena Soccer League. The Strikers won their first game in mainland Mexico, an amazing, amazing game. Strikers went on throughout the last few games on in their winning ways. Other than losing to Chihuahua, the team's been on a nice winning streak. The Monterey Flash, on the other hand, though, had not won a game since January the 29th, as you see a ball that was gifted to us from the Flash with signatures from the teammates. There's a scarf back there behind Panda's beautiful pink hat that's got autographs as well. Very cool, very hospitable. Shout out to Gerardo and everybody on that team, nothing but love. Uh, but again, they have not won since January the 29th, and they were going to come into Toyota Arena and obviously give us a run for the money, and we're going to talk about that game right now. All right. It was a fantastic start to the game. We got out to one of the best starts to a game we've had in a while. It took just one minute into the game for the Empire Strikers to go ahead and find that first goal. And uh, you might you might call this a little bit lucky, but Philly, you have a phrase about luck that you like to say that kind of sticks with me that Luck is where preparation meets opportunity. And this is a quote that I know you've thrown around many times. And we got a deep ball that comes into the short boards. It takes a kind of a funny bounce off the corner. Uh, ends up going over the head of Frank Tayu, who gets 
erroneously credited with assist here, but Mo Endi, I should get the assist. Uh, it falls to the leg of none other than Johnny Thunder, who fires at home in an accidental Wallace Scora that was just <laughs> a perfect indoor goal. I loved how Johnny was following the play into the box, not quitting on it, knowing Frank was going up for that ball, but there was a possibility it could spill over. And that's where that that opportunity and preparation met. And you could say it's a lucky goal by Johnny Thunder, but at the end of the day, Monterey, you've been thunderstruck. Oh, One I love that strikers. call. Man, boy, did he. What a ball. It, 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 if it could have hit the back of something, it definitely would have echoed and you would have felt it. You would have thought it was on the, uh, what's the seismometer? Yeah, right. An earthquake. Well, he got thunderstruck. And he did. Diego Reynoso was the keeper. The last time we were down in Arena Monterey, it was the rookie, Cristian <clears throat> Hernandez, that got the start. This time, Maestro got to play. And Diego Reynoso is no stranger to indoor soccer. He has a championship with the Monterey Flash, one in 2015 against the Baltimore Blast. Really good keeper. But it is also very important to note the fact that they had a change back there. Monterey did not bring a couple of their best players. Quick. El Quick, Luis Angel Mendoza, did not make the trip. We only found that out minutes before the game. He is the team's leading scorer. Walter Ayobi, the Ecuadorian international, also did not make the trip. We didn't see Brian Aguilar. Those are three of their big players. So that leaves Edgar Tovar, Eric Tovar, sorry, who was one of the leading scorers on this team, Daniel Viela, Chapa and Russo to pick up the steam. And obviously, you know, we're going to mention their names momentarily. We also had a couple of omissions as well, didn't we, Doc? Yeah, yeah, but you can't call him El Quick. It's El Quick. Sorry, you you're right. On. My, that's, that's El Quick. One of my, there we go. El, my favorite things about uh, the goal calls from down there whenever he scores, El Quick. I just <laughs> tickles me every time. Yeah, of course, Adam James, nothing but love, still nursing his way back from the appendectomy he had south of the border. Uh, he's back home with his family, resting up, should hopefully be back with the team at some point in time this season. Uh, we got a couple bum hammies, and you never like hearing hamstring injuries because uh, everybody knows those have a tendency to linger. And I'm hoping that these two don't because these are big players. We're talking Mike Conde Abreu, a massive addition to this team midseason. He was someone who was integral in the success of the then Ontario Fury. And now that he is back with the Empire Strikers after having some visa issues resolved mid-season, we were really stoked he was back in here with the team and doing Mike-on-like things. And for him to come up with a bum hammy is a bummer. And Berto as well, too. Jamaica, he's out with a bum hammy as well, too. And he has been a linchpin on defense for us. Part of the entire reason the Strikers are in the position they're in right now is that defense. Having Berto and Mikon go down is not good. Wishing those boys the speediest of recoveries because we need them back. We cer- and we certainly have some time in between now and the next game. Sorry. Didn't <laughs> no, I was going to say, well, speaking of defense, uh, 11 minutes after Johnny Thunder's wonderful Thunder's goal, we're going to see defense win out on a play for the flash with Edgar Flores, otherwise known as Chapa. Flores, he's going to be applying pressure on Cissé. Pacheco, he passed the ball to Cissé, who's in trouble, and... Well, Chapa manages to turn the or I can't yeah, read your notes. Chapa turns the ball over, takes the shot, and well, Chris, he actually saves it, as he's known to do many, many times in this podcast, but it does rebound back to Chapa and he gets lucky. And on his second strike, we got a tie ball game. It's one one. What lo- are your thoughts on that? I love it when you read my notes sometimes because <laughs> my, I, I, can, I I can see the grammar. I know how it sounds in my head, but when I hear it come out of your lips, it's like, yeah, it's <laughs> Love you. One to one. You told me to. You told me to take this one. <laughs> so I'm trying to read through your notes, but it's okay. Penny, you can read my now. notes that are my notes for which are far more legible. If that helps you. 
you know, I'll take my own notes next time. I just listen. I had a birthday yesterday. You guys are lucky I'm not wearing sunglasses on this podcast and like you know drinking hair of the dog. Okay. I mean, so bear with me. I mean, I feel I I was there with you. I seen him. I seen him. I'm surprised. I'm surprised you look as. We'll talk about that at the end of the podcast because I do have some things to talk about that. But let's get through this game. I don't want this to be a podcast that lasts until after midnight. No, that's true. That's true. 15 minutes in, we've got a tie ball game. It obviously looks like it's going to be, you know, another uh, another epic battle, as we would say on Superhero Night. Um, but second quarter, nothing really happens. No Did goals. Philly, there's a button. Yeah. You got a button for the second quarter, Philly, when you're done putting Vicks Vapor Rub on yourself there in the background. Um, you know, the, you know what button I'm talking about for the second quarter. It's our sponsor. That was the second quarter. That's basically that, 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 that was the second quarter. Um, yeah. <laughs> there were some shots. Empire had two of them. Monterey had four of them, uh, but none of them did anything. Six shots in a quarter and no goals. Uh, yeah, nothing. Nothing to report. Moving on. Uh, Half time. Yep, ten, ten shots minutes. for the strikers. Eight shots for the flash. And that's your first 30 minutes, folks. But the third quarter is where all the gaming happened. All the gamesmanship, all the goals, all the excitement, and where the death knell occurred. But but at halftime, Panda had two great interviews, though. Can I hear about those, oh. Panda? You interviewed Nestor and Jimmy. I did. Thank you. Yeah, don't forget about me. Yes, I was able to interview Nestor Superman Hernandez, obviously, because it was Superhero Night. So that's a great interview that I think you need to go check out on Twitch if it's, as long as it's still up there. Because it's fun learning about him and knowing that if he weren't playing the indoor game, he wanted to be a doctor. So, I mean, can you imagine walking in and... Uh, You've got Superman as your doctor. Dude, you Wait, know, you're the you doctor. Oh, no. I, I'm the doctor. But you know what else I forgot that happened just before the start of the second quarter? Panda got a birthday cake and the whole stadium sang her happy birthday. And Stryker brought her a birthday cake on the field. How did I forget that? I, I was milling over that. I was trying not to make this about me. But, I mean, you did. But, yes, they surprised me. When I was supposed to go out and do my normal trivia in between the first and second quarter, um, John, our PA guy, he stole the microphone from me. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, I have to do something. And then I see, uh, I see uh, Mama Kyrell come on out, and uh, I'm just like, what is happening? And then, of course, they said happy birthday to both of us. And then Stryker had a cake, and it was just amazing. I mean, that kind of love, like, hits in the feels. Let me tell you, <laughs> Stryker uh, before the game started told me in Mountain Lionese that he was debating pieing you. And then I mentioned, brother, I know you're a mountain lion and you can cause a lot of chaos. But if you pie panda, you aren't going out of this arena in anything other than a body bag. So, you know, I made sure Stryker didn't do Stryker-esque things. We would have had mountain I, lion for dinner. I may I may <laughs> have put some money down to try and make sure it did happen. But unfortunately, uh, I could not put enough money down to make it. I'm just kidding, panda. It wasn't that it's much okay, money. It's okay. It's okay. Behind every joke. But yeah, doctor. that was a lot and of that, fun. I, we, we learned that John's last name is really not Spire. It's Sinatra. That dude's got <laughs> pipes. He did sing. He did sing an amazing. I mean, you would think with that illustrious voice, that deep baritone that he has, that he definitely had a voice in there that you would feel is very melodic and yeah. appeasing to the ears. So, yeah, everybody got to hear that and witness that. And that was amazing. So thank you to everybody who made that happen. That was so much fun. I uh, I was definitely surprised. But You, you mentioned melodic. Like, I, I, I wonder what kind of fear. Like John's kids would have had growing up. I could only imagine if he turned on his voice to yell at them from halfway across the house, it would probably be terrifying. I imagine they probably suffer from some kind of PTSD hearing that. And now like kind of a voice it's uh, I'd, I'd be terrified. The thought just hit me. 
You're grounded. <laughs> <laughs> Up to your room. Oh, my gosh. All right. We're, we, we've, I digress. So, anyways, we are talking about the interview. Catch Nestor's interview. It was really great. And then, also, I did interview Jimmy. Talked to him a little bit about what was going on. And his main takeaways from this first uh, half, which, obviously, you probably could tell by uh, the scoreline, that the game was just too slow. It was just too slow. They needed to pick up the pace. Needed to press more. And, like I told him, I said... You know, the second half is usually where you guys shine. So get back in there, get to the locker room and tell them whatever it is that you tell them to get them back out on the turf, scoring some goals. And well, I guess I guess he did it. He, he made the magic happen, guys, because second this third quarter is going to be a lot more exciting. Would you like to start us off? It didn't start out so great for the strikers in the scoring frame, that is. However, <laughs> we do have a blue card about 41 seconds into the third against the Flash. Eric Rosas gets called for tripping. Two-minute power play, but the strikers unfortunately come up empty on the power play. Flash have one of the best power play defenses in the league. So not, not the biggest surprise. A little disappointing that in a tie ball game at a pivotal moment, second half of the game, you know, you, you get that blue card and you don't get a chance to go ahead. And, you know, it would just be about four minutes later that Monterey are actually the ones to find the back of the net. It's Cortez this time assisted by Esteban. And it, it's a deep ball that comes in from way back in their own defensive third. And Cortez just catches it on one bounce, volley, fired, top bends, beautiful goal. And with that, the Flash actually had the lead to start this third quarter. But then the pendulum swung back, and it swung back fiercely. It swung back fiercely indeed. Just want to note that ball bounced over Costa. Costa tried to get to it, couldn't do it, but it was a brilliant pass. Russo finding the back of the net. But then, just like it happens with an indoor soccer, the tides can turn quickly. In a four-minute spurt, which was, what, the third fastest in team history, shout-out to our buddy Bill Norris, you had... (laughs) you had several strikers goals and it's going to start out with Gabriel Costa. Now the defense really needs to be credited on this goal by our potential rookie of the year candidate. And that was our dude, Momo, Mo guy applying a bunch of pressure on the rookie keeper, Christian Hernandez, because they did make a goalkeeper change starting the second half. Christian Hernandez tried to pass the ball out to Hector Vallejo. And again, that was all Mo who gets credited for that kind of pressure. And then Gabriel Costa happens to pick it up and slots it home. And just like that, boom, we're tied. And it didn't end there. No, it did not. We're going to finally see Justin Stinson is going to get his name into the scoring column. Nestor, he's going to find a way to connect with him, who manages to get past Daniel Viela. He takes a shot, deflects it off of Victor Quiroz and Christian Hernandez. And <laughs> my new favorite term, we got a flash of score, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was the most indoor goal of indoor goals, right? Stinson does the beautiful move. A beautiful move off the far boards to play it off the wall back to himself, you know, gets the shot off and it just it just went into the pinball machine. You know, I think it went defender keeper net. Right. I mean, Kalu to Hernandez to the back of the net. That's why we call it a flash of score. Instead of the wall, it's a flash of score (laughs) off of the flash. But yeah, I I think he got an extra ball and a free restart on that one as well, too. So good for (laughs) good for Stinger. Yes, that was great. Uh, Stinger or Shooter? What are you guys calling him? We're going to call him Shooter. I'm calling him Stinger because I'm crotchety and I'm old and I don't like changing things. Every time I hear you guys call him Shooter, I just think of Shooter McGavin. That's (laughs) 
<laughs> so, but came out came out about. on this day. By the way, the movie Happy Gilmore. Uh, exactly. Did, did you see him tweet about it? No. What was it like? I think ESPN FC or uh, ESPN LA tweeted out that like, yeah, uh, on this day in 1996, Happy Gilmore won the Masters or something like that. (laughs) I think there was a tweet from Shooter McGavin that said something like, on this day, however many years ago, I lost blah, blah, blah to Happy Gilmore. (laughs) It was great. So anyways, back to the game. We're at three to two. So we have now taken the lead. Yep. And and again, we're talking four goals in rapid succession here. So let's start firing through them. The next one comes off a Monterey flash mistake. Clearance goes out top of the arc restart. And I have no idea what the flash are thinking in this case, but Frank just drifts off his defender towards the wall and the defender marking him thinks the wall's going to pick him up. The wall's not paying attention to Frank. And the next thing you know, Frank's standing there wide open inside the box. Costa just taps the ball to Frank and he had time to sit and read war of peace before he turned and fired the ball into the back of the net. I mean, (laughs) He had space for days out there, and you can't give Frank that kind of space in the box. That's a goal 99% of the time. I mean, you know, unless... Unless the turf hits it weird or, you know, he, he catches a lace folded wrong on his boot and it goes just to the side or the keeper decides to do something incredible. None of those things happen. Frank scored piece of cake and we're up by two. Yep. Well, beforehand, well, there's one more goal. We're 4-2 at that point. The fifth goal comes by way of Justin Stinson. Justin Stinson, who actually gets assist from Chris Toth, Toth's second assist of the season, absolutely undresses Russo on the counter, and he smothers the stitch out of the ball, smashing it in. That's what puts us up to that 5-2 mark. And we're talking two minutes and 15 seconds worth of action. That's all it took for this comeback to come through. And the uh, the third fastest in franchise history. If you're looking for the first fastest, once again, shout out to Bill Norris. Uh, you'd have to go back to February 7th of 2015 against the Sacramento Surge. This was an epic game in which a lot of records were broken. You had four goals in a minute and 53 seconds, which is amazing. We've obviously seen a lot of records, so we didn't break this one. Israel Cisse was part of that four, the others being Jamar Beasley, Tino Tino, and, ah, Tino Nunez, and, and, and Warren Uka. So that's the story there. And, yeah, once again, thanks to Bill. Four goals in less than three minutes has occurred five times throughout the course of this franchise's history. So once again, shout out to, as you like to call him, Dr. Bino, for providing us with the stats to fill you in and inform you. Yeah, and with that, in two minutes and 15 seconds, it went from a two-to-one game to a two-to-five game. Uh, And really, that was it. Um, There was still another quarter left to play. The third quarter would end with Nestor Hernandez getting a little trip to the sin bin. Uh, There was just a couple seconds left in the third when he ended up going into the penalty box. So that spilled over into the fourth quarter. Nestor got a little handsy, um, as our friends over at uh, In the Box like to say, hands above the head. Um, But no, got called for contact above the shoulders. And uh, yeah, um, but strikers were able to fight that one off. We go into the fourth quarter. Monterey Flash gets one back. Um, it's really a garbage goal at this point in time. Don't doesn't really matter. It was nine minutes in. Made the game a little more interesting, but the strikers' defense did a fantastic job seeing this one out. There would be a late blue card that went to Monterey, but uh, overall, they would outshoot the Empire Strikers seven to six there in that fourth quarter with the one goal being scored. But the game's going to go ahead and end five to three. Empire was actually outshot by the Flash in the game, twenty five to twenty two. With that being said, the defense stepped up big. Toth had a fantastic night. He ends up getting the first star for his 25 saves and only allowing a couple goals past him. 
Stinson gets second star for his two goals. And Big Frank, with the goal and the assist, rounds out the third star. And uh, assist. <laughs> Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I don't know if upon review he's going to keep that assist. But, uh, guys, any final thoughts on the game before we wrap it up? I'm just thrilled that the boys continue to win. I mean, ever since the, uh, the season got turned around down in Dallas, they've won, what, nine out of their last 11, if that's the case? I mean, we're we're on a hot streak. Your Our counterpart over in Tacoma has uh, had his power rankings. I'll Since you are the power rankings, man, I'll let you talk about that. But our team has been you know, playing at a completely different level, arguably some of the best indoor soccer that we've had the honor and privilege of seeing and, more importantly, calling. And a beaded team like the Monterey Flash, very, very crucial. I mean, that, they're, they're a tough team. Even though they didn't have their top three players, they still certainly made it a game. And the Strikers, just being a third-quarter team, absolutely turned things out. But I think the most important factor is that they didn't find themselves uh, at a deficit early on in the game. Some games they found themselves down, like that game down in Arena Monterey, down three to nothing, and they had to fight to come back. We saw the same thing in Chihuahua, and there was no coming back from that. So to get in early, score right off the bat in front of a record-breaking crowd at Toyota Arena, over 5,000 on hand, it was a joy and a privilege to watch and call this game. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the attendance. That's that's a big piece there. 5,103, I think, is the second most fans that have been to a game so far this season that's that's impressive I I just want to say you know to me the biggest difference here is the defense early on in the season this is a game we would have lost eight to five and now at this point in time in the season these are games that we're winning five to three and to me I have to tip my hat to the entire defensive effort in this game you know Uzi Mo Stinson Hernandez Momo, uh, Momo, Momo, Topete, you know, and, and some of the young guys that came up from Jets that helped out in this game, like Perez and Magana, that had fantastic games defensively. And this really speaks to the impact that coaching has had on this team throughout the course of this season, because this is this is not too dissimilar in offensive threat from what the strikers have done all year. But defensively, it's night and day from the beginning of the season to now. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And for them to play as well as they did, even in the absence of Roberto Palmer, who easily would have, you know, made this scoreline even, you know, even lower for the flash, I believe, you know, because he is such a, a formidable force back there on the line. But again, heads, hats off to Chris Toth. <laughs> heads off. Heads off. Off with his head. <laughs> hands off. <laughs> heads and hands off to Chris Toth for, uh, for just having, you know, a great game in goal. I mean, I, I talked to him after the game. I grabbed him for an interview and and i did i asked him who his uh, favorite superhero was and he said oh iron man or superman and i think my comment was well you were definitely both of those tonight in goal making sure you know that you uh, you kept those out of the net and boy did they and you already mentioned the crowd was there but we definitely had um the seventh man with us at that arena it was incredible it was electric and i i hope the fans know how important that is for for the energy and the electricity in the stadium it's just so much more fun for everybody and also speaking of seventh man can we talk about what came back jonathan seventh man seventh man is back should we save it for the outro i don't have the music file yet okay so let's hold off on Uh, that until the next episode okay all right tease i like it i'm 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 a fan i'm a fan of a good tease um all right so (laughs) I'll leave, I'll leave that one alone. <laughs> Coming from the guy in a giant onesie with a cape. <laughs> Look, can we not talk about me in a onesie anymore? That was a very awkward moment for me. The fans got 
far, far too far more than they were the expecting. <laughs> yeah, that's that was um, as uncomfortable as a trip to the proctologist for the doctor. So we'll just we'll just leave it alone. It's uh, that's, anyway. that's that's not it's not something anyone ever ever needs to see. Save the children. Let's let's not right. have that happen again. We, um, we let's will, move we on will to, digress move, from that. Let's move Go on ahead. to uh, uh, standings and power rankings. Um, so as the West currently stands right now, based on points, I got San Diego on top at thirty-five. Savage and Empire tied for second with thirty-two. Uh, Chihuahua having the advantage there, so they are ranked second technically. Uh, then you got Mesquite coming in at. Fourth with 30 points, Flash with 20, Stars with 19, and Dallas with want want two points on the season. Uh, however, uh, by the doctor's ranking, which is based on a points per game system, which I think gives us a little more accurate understanding of the schedule, given that everyone hasn't played the same number of games, San Diego would be up top at two and a half points per game, followed by Chihuahua at 2.13. Outlaws would round out the two clubs uh, as they are at 2.0 exactly. This would have Empire fourth in points per game at 1.88, still well above the playoff line, uh, followed by Stars at 1.46, then Flash at 1.43, and Sidekicks at 0.13. I'm giving them that extra three one hundredths of a point because I, I really feel bad for Dallas. Yeah. Although, yeah, um, I'll, I'll be honest, <laughs> I think I think Blas Perez has a real chance of winning Offensive Player of the Week. He had a heck of a performance over the weekend. So I think things are, are trending in the right direction there. Roman Torres as well, too, is a really cool addition on the defense. So uh, this isn't a sidekicks podcast, though. Uh, so we'll stop talking about the fight and uh, the fight in Brandis's. But uh, that's my current look at standing slash points per game. However, Tacoma done come out, had themselves on uh, MASL Monday, uh, Andrew Harvey, so to speak, their broadcaster, came out and put out a power rankings, which, I mean, if y'all thought mine were salacious, this is spicier <laughs> than a fresh habanero, baby. This is <laughs> this is that extra spicy salsa that he has gone ahead and dipped on his power rankings by going ahead and knocking San Diego down number two and putting your Empire Strikers at number one. Philly, hit the board. Hey, you love to see it. <laughs> What are your thoughts on that? Soccer fans who found themselves in second place to Andrew's rankings. Anyway, stop. They we have fans that listen there, and no, uh, nothing but love. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I did want to. While you're, are, are you? Did you have more to add to that, Jonathan? I'm sorry. No, uh, all no, I was going to say as I just want to highlight a couple, uh, some past and future games that are really important. One, I mean, Tacoma beat Chihuahua. I huge. think that's huge um, for for them, definitely. Almost and, beat them twice, actually. Yeah, they had a great. Yeah, they they definitely did. They had um, that, and then just real quick, Friday night at uh, nine Eastern, it's Soccer's Chihuahua down in uh, Quarter Sports Arena. So I think everybody's going to want to tune into that and see how that goes because I think that's going to be a really really good game. And um, yeah, I I'd see how how do Soccer's are going to measure up to Chihuahua on their home turf. It's going to be interesting to see a a full Savage team versus some of the soccer's team. I think that, you know, already that home field advantage for Chihuahua is massive. But with San Diego being down a few players, it's it's really going to be an interesting trip south of the border for them. You know, um, just as much as Monterey has been slipping of late, you know, a chance to to take on a shorthanded soccer's team at home could be a statement victory for them, too. And. This is what San Diego has to deal with. Every single team is going to play them like it's the playoffs. 
And that's exactly what they've earned. So, you know, credit to them that they're going to get the best from everybody. And I, I think this is, you know, a, a pretty rough road trip for them. Um, as much as it is, it is cheeky for other people to have placed us above them in the power rankings. I think if you're a soccer fan right now, you know, you're, you're still firmly sitting atop the pack and, you know, probably going to take home that supporter shield if the season ended right now, you certainly would. So yeah. I, I don't think they have too much to worry about in the long term, but in the short term, it, it definitely has gotten a little bit more interesting across the league. That's for sure. It has. The nice thing for our boys having played more games than everybody else is we get a few days off uh, a couple of weeks, actually for, for that matter, which that's going to be interesting. We're, we're, we're actually going to have some time to chill and watch TV and watch this game and not have to worry about working. I don't even know if we're going to pod. Uh, we might even take a little break from that. Who knows? Being that we are at our half century mark, but very important to note. I, I think it'd be good to pod at some point. Cause I know the, uh, the standings and stuff might shift a little while these teams are playing Fair. in the West. And I think it'd be fun to do a, like a preview pod going into our next yeah, that's um, fine. home game, just update people on where we're at and standings and everything. Yeah. Which our next home game is going to be March the 7th. That's going to be a huge week for the strikers, a massive, massive week that could, you know, this this will give us a better idea as to who truly is the best in the West as of right now. That being said, it's going to be the Strikers taking on the Chihuahua Savage at Toyota Arena on March the 7th. Huge game. Happens to fall on a Tuesday night, folks. I get it, but hey, you were with us these this last week. We hope to see you again at Toyota Arena. Then two short days later, we welcome the San Diego Soccers back into Toyota Arena. So two again, we're going to go up against two of the best teams in the league, if not definitely two of the best teams in the West. And that's going to determine some things. So it's good to know that we're going to have some time off and we're certainly going to have some fresh legs going against those two teams that are going to be pretty busy between now and then. I, I'm a little frustrated at this particular point in our schedule, like 17 days off. And then we have to play the number one and number two teams in the West in the span of three days on the seventh and the ninth after having 17 days off. Hey, you've got to be frustrated a little bit if you're a Strikers fan. That's, you know, all this time to rest is great. But but after two and a half weeks, it you know, rest can become rust real easy. <laughs> and now you're worried, you know, these guys are now going to have to take on whether it's by points or points per game doesn't matter. I mean, San Diego is the best team in the league right now. Chihuahua is the second best team in the league. They are the 1A and 1B in the MASL this year. And in the span of three short days, you got to go into matches that could, especially, you know, with the uh, strikers being at, you know, fourth in the league at points per game, there's playoff implications here as far as your seating, if not even your qualification. Like you need points out of these two games. And it's a tough situation to be in 17 games off and then to play the seventh, have the eight off, then play again on the ninth against these two tough teams. This is a rough stretch. Yeah, and it certainly didn't help the fact that Tacoma did get some points against Chihuahua. That certainly puts them, you know, ripe for for the challenging of that that fourth and fifth seed spot. So Monterey has fallen down, uh, but they're obviously not going to be down and out. So it's it's still anybody's game within the Western Conference. The only thing that we do know for a fact is the sidekicks are not going to make much of a push to make the playoffs. It would be nice to see them get a win. Uh, they do have points. And then if you're wondering, you know, are they going to set any kind of record? Well, no, they're not. What's that? Two. You said two points. They have two points. They have yeah, two yeah, yeah. Points. But if you're wondering, has a team gone winless throughout the history of the modern MASL? And the answer to that question is yes. You'd have to go to the 2016 season when the El Paso Coyotes did not win a single game, did not tie a single game, left a full season with zero points. 
At the very least, the Dallas sidekicks have two, so they will not fall into that category. But also back in 2021, that was also a rough season for them where they only won one game. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a tough finish for the year for Dallas. I'm I'm pulling for them. I'm pulling for them to get sure. that one game. It's got to happen at some point in time. Um, I haven't looked at their schedule for the rest of the way out to see what they have, but I know I've looked at our our strikers' schedule for the rest of the way out, and we've built up points in the past games that we needed to build up, but but the schedule gets very tough from here on out. Uh, and this is where the cream is going to have to rise to the top. And you know, a, a well-rested, hopefully we get, you know, our players back from injury. Potentially, you know, maybe even a new signing or two would be great as we we start to approach that trade deadline. So hopefully some incoming players that might help us out as well, too. That'd be great. Give us something to pot about next week. I'd love that if that happened. Uh, Jimmy, Jeff, if you're listening, Oliver, let's go make it happen, boys. Um, yeah. But... <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough tough schedule from here till the end of the season, uh, and this is really where this team is going to get tested. Um, they, they've had a tough stretch of games to be sure. The trip south of the border, you know, anytime you got to play, you know, the Mexican teams, anytime you got to play San Diego, that's that's a tough part of the season. We've made it through these last couple tests with some pretty high marks. Now we're going to have to finish out the rest of the season this way. And, you know, what's going to happen when we come back after these two and a half weeks of rest? It's going to be very telling as to where the strikers end up at the end of the season. Guys, yeah, do you have got- anything else to touch yeah, on just- as far as scheduling? Well, just real quick. I mean, three games against the Soccers, two games against the Savage. We're going to play Tacoma. And then we're going to end the season down in Mesquite. You're right. Not not easy games whatsoever. All of those are going to be a must win if the strikers want to put themselves in a position where they don't have to be in the playing game. That's going to be dangerous. The top three, make it four and five, battle each other for the right to be uh, the potential sacrificial land to the number one seed. So that's how that works. And that's it. And all that I have for scheduling. Yeah. And it's, you know, three, three more games versus the soccers. It's not like uh, those competitions have been, uh, you know, they've been totally tame, right? Uh, no extracurriculars involved whatsoever. Yeah, no, so I would imagine, you know, just, uh, just, just, you know, some good old normal soccer in the course of those three. Games. It's going to get wild. It's going to get wild from now to the end of the season. Uh, this is when this one really gets fun. Uh, yep. I'm excited about it. It's going to be nice to take a, a couple weeks off. Um, I got one last thing to touch on, and I don't even know if it's news, but I know that it intrigues me that the MASL tomorrow is apparently going to have a conference at about 8 o'clock in the evening, I think, live from Guadalajara, Mexico. C- could this mean, speculation, pure speculation on my part, could this mean? that we are getting an MASL team in the beautiful Ciudad de Guadalajara, Mexico? I mean, it would make sense. wouldn't be the smartest thing to do a thing in Guadalajara only to announce a team all the way up in Sonora. Because <laughs> there is talk about them coming back as well. Now, this would be exciting. Another another team, another Mexican powerhouse team. Who knows You know what that situation is going to be like and who they're going to pull from. But Guadalajara is going to be great. I know you in particular are especially excited about that because if we get to go south to the border, once again, we're what, an hour or so outside of Tequila where you, uh, you know, have been to on several occasions and you know quite a great deal about. Tequila is a fantastic town, just about an hour and a half drive from Guadalajara. Uh, You got Estadio Acron there where, you know, a number of teams play, you know, most notably Chivas de Guadalajara. So that's that's a fun stadium that you guys can check off your bucket list. I've been there and visited it. But, uh, you know, perhaps the chance the chance potentially based on scheduling to catch a game down there would be great. The city of Chihuahua. I'm, I'm sorry, Chihuahua. The city of Guadalajara is a fantastic town. It's a big town. There's tons of stuff to do there. Really cool places to go in the outskirts and, and a chance to make a day trip up to Tequila and bring you guys to to one of my 
favorite cities would be would be really fun. So um, fingers crossed that happens. I, I love, 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 love me some Guadalajara. So let's let's hope it happens. And it's just about an hour's drive from Puerto Vallarta as well, too. So, you know, show up a couple days early, go to tequila, you know, come back, call a game and then go rest on the beach for a couple days, have some fish tacos and head back north of the border. Sounds miserable. Yeah, just so disgusted by that possibility. Anyway, we'll keep an eye out on that tomorrow. That press conference is going to be out there. Uh, anything from you? No, I'm good. I think we covered it all. Um, I enjoyed our interview with a Wallace Scora. That was fun. Yep. And yeah, I think there's only one thing left to say. Really, doctor? Strike hard. Defend the empire. No mercy. <laughs> And potentially, for the very last time, start wearing purple, folks. Yeah, and you'll find out next episode why. Thank you for being here on our 50th. Shout out to Brian. Nothing but love. We look great for 50. Good night. Good night. You were just listening to Striking Fury. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you can find podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Striking Fury. So, yeah.